would please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We are working our way through this amazing epistle. We are in verses 8 to 14. Please follow in the reading of the Holy Word of God. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead, even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything has become visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. Father, we come this morning to look at uh, an amazing letter. It speaks of your precious bride, your church. And Father, the supernatural ability for unity. And Father, the amazing position that we have in Christ. And Father, how it is applied to our lives practically. So Father, I ask this morning, as the Apostle Paul has prayed twice in this letter, you open the eyes of our understanding, open our hearts, that we may see to you, my King. Amen. I shared with you that when we moved into chapter 4 and 5, we're moving into the practical things of this letter. It is amazing. A lot of Christians know what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. And whether it's uh, love your wife as Christ loved the church, a wife submit, children honor your parents, treat your employees as Christ treats you. And we, we know all of these things. The problem that exists in the evangelical community is you don't know what your position is and the power that is there because of your position that allows you to do this with really very little effort. And people say, well, you, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. I've looked at the first three chapters of this book and they're amazing. You know, I read the first chapter and people say, well, when were you saved? And I used to say, well, it was the year that the Oakland Raiders beat the Washington Redskins in the Super Bowl. Okay. But that's not what this book says. This book says I was saved before the foundations of the earth. I have filed a complaint occasionally. Why did it take so long? Okay. But if I start understanding that, that my name was on God's mind before there was existence, that means I'm kind of important to Him, doesn't it? I mean, before He flung the stars into the heavens... That's amazing to me. But then he says, you know what? I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Well, which one would that be? That would be the everyone. Every spiritual blessing. And you were created in Christ's likeness. His workmanship. Walk in it. You're like, wow, cool. I'm going to get into this. But then he starts out chapter 4 with, I beseech you, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, walk worthy of your position. That's not what it says, but that's what he's meaning. I've just given you three chapters of who you are in Christ. It isn't the pastor is this in Christ. It is if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you possess all of these things. 
even to the point that you can do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. And we have the ability to have a divine unity that the world can't comprehend. The unity that is propagated in the church today is compromised so that we can be one. And therefore you end up with a business model. You have advertising. But what I've seen in my years here in this town, if you're not producing for the board of directors, they will fire you. And you're on the road again. Somebody to write a song about that, huh? You see what I mean? That is not it. That is how the world does it. The church today looks so, so, so much like the world. So, so much like the world. And if it does, then how is it that we are walking worthy? Because we already looked at it. We walk in love. Walking worthy means that I walk in love. And I walk in love so loving to you that I don't expect anything in return from you. I don't expect a response from you. There's no, there's no strings hooked to it. But I walk in a love that is forgiving. Every time it's forgiving. It never ceases to forgive. It doesn't keep account of wrongs. It moves on. It is a love that guards the words that I say so that I only encourage you. I can challenge you and still encourage you. People don't understand that. But see, when you come out of the first three chapters of doctrine, you sit there and go, oh yeah, here we go. Which brings us to walking in light. We walk in light. And, and it's, it's a stunning text there because he starts out that you formerly darkness. You were darkness. You understand what that means? You weren't in darkness. You were darkness. You weren't a victim of darkness. You were a contributor of darkness. That should stun us. Because we like to think, well, I didn't do anything really that bad. That statement just did. But he says, now, you are in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. We walk in the light. We walk in the light. So verse 8 was the contrast. You were dark, you are now light. Verses 9 and 10 were the characteristics. Characteristics of the children of light. All goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness is what I give to my fellow man. And it's just what it means. Goodness. Righteousness is my relationship with my God, my Creator. I'm right standing before Him. Truth means that my conscience does not condemn me. That's what walking in the light means. But then the beginning of verse 11 He makes a statement. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. (laughs) Do you realize that the things of the world are fruitless? Let me ask you a question. When is your flesh satisfied? Never is. So it is fruitless. I mean, you can keep, you know, my flesh thinks I should do this, my flesh thinks I, and you keep doing it, you'll never be satisfied. And yet, how many people are adamant in pursuing it? And yet, you stop and think biblically, it's unfruitful. You know what it means? 
It doesn't accomplish a thing. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't accomplish a thing. This dark system is a waste of time. And yet think about the people that you know, maybe even some take the name Christian, who are pursuing it with it being a waste of time. We walk through a place of lies. The existence that you're in is lies. Everywhere you turn, it lies. There's nothing truthful about this place. You know, I, I watch people, they, they turn on the news and they get frustrated and they listen to the news and, oh my gosh, and I'm sitting there going, what do you expect from lies? I don't, you know, uh, years ago it used to frustrate me. Now I kind of chuckle at it. I mean, it's kind of sick if you think about it. That's why I like the Three Stooges. You know, I can kind of look at the world today and say, wow, man, look at all the stooges. And, and it's, it's not shocking to me. Why? They are pursuing darkness. And darkness has no fruit to it. It has no fruit to it. They pursue it farther and faster and harder. And I keep thinking, wow, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. The term that he uses here in verse 11, do not participate, is soon koinia. Uh, koinonia is, is a term that we translate fellowship. Okay, soon intensifies it and it's a negative. All right. So what he's saying is, I don't want you to be involved. Now, be real careful about that. Koinonia is, uh, more than a casual friendship. Koinonia is, uh, you know, their kids, uh, I can't say that one. I don't know my kid's birthday. But you normally know that, you know, wasn't your kid born in July or something like that? You know, I, I, I'm a father. I don't, I don't know. When were they born? Years ago. <laughs> they can all drive, so it's been a while. <laughs> okay. I don't know what year they were born in. I mean, gee whiz. It was before 2000. How's that? Did good, huh? I mean, I got married on Memorial Day so I could remember my anniversary. And you know, they keep moving that stupid holiday around. And I know they did that just to annoy me. But it's stuff like that that when I, when I, I think about it, it's the fellowship of the saints. You know, I look at believers in Christ and have you ever run into some that are just annoying? None of you have? Well, I'll give you a list. Okay? But, you know, it, they, they remind me of porcupines. They're cute as a button, but don't pet it. Right? I mean, they're believers. They've bore fruit. You've seen fruit. But it's just like, oh, man. All right? But when I get my find myself into that mindset, I immediately shift that... You know you're going to spend eternity with that porcupine. And you're like, amen, I remember. Sorry. Again. Right? I have to spend eternity. But you know what's really cool? you got to spend eternity with me. <laughs> but... He says, I don't want you to have fellowship with those. Now, it doesn't mean I don't move in and out. Okay? I'm in this world for such a time as this. Okay? That's, that's what we do. But I don't fellowship with them. I don't have an intimate relationship with them. Which brings me to the fourth point on your outline. The commission. Second part of verse 11 through 13. Instead, even expose them. Okay, Don't have fellowship with them, but expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. 
But all things become visible when they are exposed by light. For everything that becomes visible is light. Okay, the word there that in the New American Standard it says expose it is the word that we translate reprove. I don't want you to do what they do and you should reprove them. I I told you last week I run in and out of different groups because of motorcycles and working on them and things like that. And they, uh, everybody knows that I'm a pastor. And every once in a while you get one who's had a beer or two and uh, they get a little brazen and they want to tell me some type of a derogatory uh, joke about Christians or Jesus or something like that. And so what I've learned to do is they tell their joke. I'm standing there. They tell their joke. And when they get done, they're chuckling. I was like, am I supposed to laugh now? And they go, oh. Because between you and me, that wasn't funny. Okay? And so that's how I guard myself against this. And you know what? Because I took that stand, my light makes them uncomfortable. And guess what? They've been exposed. And if they've been exposed, they have a tendency not to repeat it or try to get me to laugh at something stupid or whatever. Don't do what they do. Expose it. Now, I want to be real careful with this. Listen, our job is not to be involved. Okay? It doesn't mean I don't associate. Okay? I mean, how many of you guys are surrounded by Christians where you work? I didn't hear anybody. Okay? All right? Everybody you work with is a Christian. All right? Listen, I'm a pastor. Everybody I work with ain't Christians. All right? So if I'm not to be involved with them, then what am I going to do for a living? All right? If you read the book of Esther, Mordecai had Esther set her up to marry the king who was going to slaughter all the Jews, exterminate them. And they convinced the king that this was a good idea. And Esther went in and said, that means you got to get rid of me. Oops. So the guy had come up with this great big plan. He got it twisted around and they hung him. <laughs> Haman. Uh, the holiday of Param in Israel is a celebration of the uh, book of Esther. Okay? But it was exposed. They seen it. It was exposed. Our job is to reprove this thing. I look at that phrase there. It says the deeds of darkness. And my brain immediately shifts to the crimes of darkness. Okay, now how do I expose it? I only got one tool. The Word of God. The Word of God. And and I use it. You know what I've learned is... (laughs) People will find out that I'm a pastor and I'll be at a restaurant or something and they'll sit down and they'll want to chit-chat with me. And, and it's funny because they all shift into what I call spiritual. And when they shift into spiritual, they do this thing like this with their heads and they kind of, you know, I, I want to talk spiritual to you. And, um, and it usually ends up giving me indigestion. But I listen to them and my response normally is, and where is that in the Bible? Okay, why? Because now I've exposed you. Why? Because that's not in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. That was the great prophet Franklin. Benjamin? Franklin? Uh, I'm not sure where that's at. I didn't, I, it's got to be, got to be Old Testament. I'm not that strong in the Old Testament, but it's got to be in the Old Testament, right? Ben Franklin? Wasn't Ben Franklin in the Old Testament? See what I mean? But, I mean, how many wise men were there? I don't know. They're still looking for one. No, just kidding. How many wise? We don't know. I know that King Herod was terrified. 
All right, because they were kingmakers. They were magi. You know what's really cool about the magi? You know who they were fruit of? This guy named Daniel told these guys about the king of the Jews and when he was coming and what to look for. I think that's impressive. Listen, we got some things here. I'm going to show you a couple of things quickly. In Second uh, Timothy, chapter three, verse sixteen. This is, uh, you know, people say, "Well, you know, you, you, you." I've been accused of worshiping the Bible. I actually had somebody tell me one time that I've made the Bible an idol. Okay. Well, here's why I have an idol that's the Bible. Chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for, guess what? Reproof. For correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Then in chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove. You know what that word is, right? Expose. How do I correct a Christian? I reprove them. I expose them. I bring the Word of God and says, that's not what the book says. That ain't how you are to walk. But you have to know what the book says. All right? How many of you, because I'm this way, I mean, you think that I just walk around and blast anybody that's stupid, but I don't. How many of us don't want to confront anybody? Right? I don't want the conflict. You know, they always throw judge not lest you be judged. All right? Right? Do you realize that you're sinning against the Holy God? Because there are times God will bring people into your life that you need to expose. You need to tell them. That is not going to help you walk. That is not going to draw you closer. You are bringing shame to your Savior. One of my greatest fears has been and still consistent is I don't want to shame Him. And brothers and sisters, to be honest with you, I have great potential. So I'm always on guard. I don't want to do this. I told you, I think it was two weeks ago, I did a biker, not, not two weeks ago, I did a funeral for a biker. Okay? And they, they said, and I knew the guy. And they said, well, you know, can you come? And his name was uh, Pino. I said, well, you do Pino's funeral. I said, sure, I'll do it. And I thought, he ain't no... He ain't no believer, but it gives me an opportunity to share the gospel. All right, guess where I shared the gospel at? A biker bar. Doesn't everybody do funerals in bars? But you know what? I had to pray hard because I know the crowd. And I had to say, okay, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do this. I'm going to share the truth of the living God I don't want to do anything to bring shame. All right? That's crazy. Because I got done. And the guy said, man, I didn't know you could pray in a bar. (laughs) And I was like, me either. (laughs) So, okay, but you see what I'm trying to get at? I don't like conflict. But, you know, you will hear me sometimes give illustrations where I can confront somebody, but nine out of ten times, it's someone who has taken the mantle 
of leader. You know, I'm an elder or I'm a pastor or I'm a this or I'm a that. Well, let me tell you something. If you're wrong, dude, I'm going to tell you you are because you are deceiving the people that God has given you to protect. Now, I don't know if I get anybody to change, but I do know that my responsibility is that if someone is leading a saint of God astray, I need to say, hey, 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 hey. Because I remember doing that one time to a guy and I told him, I said, you know, you're sticking your finger in God's eye, right? Just just in case you was wondering. And you know, if that guy died less than a year later of cancer. Now, that doesn't mean that I run around and put the woe jammy on people and they die of cancer. It just means that what he was doing to a saint of God, (laughs) you don't want to do that. Okay, now then, I want you to understand, you and I have a tendency that when we confront We love doing it with words. Okay? That is your problem. That is a big problem. It should be by your life. Do you realize that sometimes just by the way you live, you can expose a life just by your life? Do you realize that most of the time that I get the privilege to share the Word of God is because I've got time where they've watched me? We have a tendency to roll like a bull in a china shop and tell them, turn or burn, baby! Repent! The kingdom is at hand! Instead of having a life of goodness... Righteousness and truth. That light attracts. People want to know how that works. Let me give you some verses to validate this. One that uh, kind of gets my dander up occasionally. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Interesting text. I taught the book of Galatians in eternity past. It says, Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual. Okay? We all like to think, you know, I had a moment when I was spiritual. Or perhaps I'm striving to be spiritual. But do you realize what he's saying here? If anyone is caught in a trespass, You who are spiritual. What does it say next? Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too are not tempted. Okay? And it, if you look at verse 2, what does it say? Bear one another's burden. This, the word burden there means a crushing load. They used to load donkeys. I think they still do some, but they used to load donkeys with these heavy loads. And all you see is four little legs and this big old pile of junk on the back of it. And every once in a while, the donkey would collapse. And what they would do is get up underneath the donkey, help it up and offload it. All right. That's the term that's being used here. If you see Anyone caught in a trespass. That means that they have a load that is crushing them. Make sure you point it out to them. Then anyone says, it says, get up underneath them and lift it up. You restore them in a spirit of gentleness. That doesn't mean you go in there and blast them. 99% of the time when a person is caught in a trespass, you don't have to tell them. They already know it. But see, we just, well, I'm telling you what, buddy. I just don't know about that. Listen, have you ever seen somebody and you looked at them and think, man, I don't think they're really saved. Anybody here done that? 
then God's saying, restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Help them pick up the load. You know, I've been running around since this, uh, whatever, this pandemic, whatever it is. I've got a lot of people ain't showing up. A lot of people. But I, I've seen that. I've been in Castle Rock since late 70s, so it's not nothing new to me. So I watch it. And people say, well, what do you, you know, what do you do when you see these people out and about? And they, I just smiled at them and said, have you ever read Hebrews 10.25? What? Which one was that? And they write it down. Yeah, go check that verse out. You know what that verse says? 10.25. Do not forsake the assembly together, which is a habit of some. But come together, encouraging one another in love and good deeds. See? You don't have to blast them and say, you know what? I'm pretty convinced you ain't been in church, you're going to hell. But I know people who are like that. Let me tell you. I can tell, I can tell looking at you. Well, let me tell you something. If you can see it, then you need to be getting up underneath it and picking that load up. Another one of my favorite verses comes out of, uh, First Thessalonians chapter 5. I love this section here because it's like he was running out of ink or something. And he just takes off and goes, boom, 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 boom. And these are all the things you need to do. Okay? In verse 12 and following, it's just this rapid fire of our conduct, which is what we're dealing with here in 4, 5, and 6 of Ephesians. But he says, uh, verse 14, We urge you, brethren... Okay, I beseech you, brethren. I beg you, brethren. Hey, stupid, I'm talking to you, bro. Okay, that's what he's saying. Admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. My grandma used to say these things. This had this saying, they're trying my patience. You ever heard that? You ever had a person try your patience? Okay, but admonish the unruly means that to admonish means, okay, the way you're going, this is the ditch you're headed into. Because there are people in the church, you're not going to believe this, but there are people in the church, when you say we're going to go to the left, they're going to go to the right. You tell them we're going to go forward, they're going to go backwards. You tell them we're going to go backwards, they're going to go forward. Okay, that's what it means to be unruly. And it says you admonish them. Why? You keep continuing to do this, you're going to be sitting out in the middle of a cornfield one of these days wondering where everybody went. Encourage the faint-hearted. You know what the faint-hearted are? You do. They're the swooners. Oh, you don't understand what I'm going through. And it's again... But remember, he says, be patient with everyone. The faint-hearted are the ones that have seen the sovereignty and the power of God, and then Friday came. And, oh, I just don't know if I'm going to have enough money. That's the faint-hearted. It's just, whoo. They, they, just, they can't stand on their own. They have every, all the information. You know, you have to hope, hold them up, hold them up. And then they walk a little ways. <gasps> there they go again. Okay, then the weak, that can be weak because they're doctrinally weak or they're morally weak. All right? Now, I want you to note something about that text in Thessalonians. Okay? Just, just you can plug this little information footnote if you want to, whatever you want to do. It is not saying that this is what the pastor is supposed to be doing. It doesn't say this is what the deacons does. This is the VBS instructor, director dude's job. Okay? Because 12 and 13 has to do with me. The weak, and then you be patient with all. I urge you, brethren. I beg you, brethren. You know what that means? 
Please do this. Every one of you in this room right now have somebody that you know that's in your life that falls into this. I guarantee it. Faint-hearted, unruly, weak. But I know that we all have patience, right? Because each of us have daily we pray for patience, huh? If you pray for patience, please stay away from me. But see what I'm trying to get at? This all ties in to walking in the light. I earn the respect of other people because of my life. There was a guy who was the start of what we're doing in Russia right now. Yakovov was his name. And he preached the gospel under the communist. And they kept arresting him. And they'd throw him in jail for 10 or 15 years. He'd preach in prison. All right. And then, but what they learned is, is that every time that they beat him, every time that they starved him, he would always come out and tell the guards, bless you. The communists, bless you. May God harvest your soul. He did that for so many years that the communists had him come and speak at their meetings. Okay? He was the door that opened when the, uh, a friend of mine, Dr. Provost, was in Kiev, which was part of the Soviet Union. He was in Kiev, and Yakovov came back. They had been on a two-week thing to look around on what resources the church was going to be needing. Remember, it's still Soviet Union. And Yakovov came in and said, they just tore down the Berlin Wall. He says, we need your help because it's going to domino because of our prayers. And our brothers will need to stand against all the false teaching that will pour in. That's why my heart was moved to help the brothers in Russia. Because they didn't want a gimmick. They said, help us to rightly divide truth so that we can stand against the false. And you know what? It came in like a flood but they could stand against it. There are times that I deal with people and they apologize. And then they do the same thing and they apologize. And they do the same thing and they apologize. And yet, godliness itself rebukes them. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to say a word. Walk worthy. Walk in love. Walk in the light. When you do that, you will bear testimony that will expose it. Sometimes you may have to show a believer that they're wrong. And you know, you guys can all sit and tell me, well, I, you know, I don't do anything wrong. I'm not a sinner that, you know, I'm not in adultery. I'm not a drunkard. I'm not stealing anything. Let me ask you a question. Simple question. I can tell you the one thing that stands out most to unbelievers. Okay? How are you doing with pride? I ain't never met a humble unbeliever. And when you stand in humility, they will see that and they will understand it. And I'm not talking about these self-deprecating wisecracks. I'm talking about somebody who says, I'm not too good to do that. Because that's so odd in our community right now, in our culture. I mean, we've got Hall of Fames for everything. Why? Because it's pride. When we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, He will lift you up and He will use you as a tool to be light to expose the darkness. I don't even have to speak about it. Did you get that? 
You don't even speak about what they do in the dark. They, uh, if you don't know motorcycles, then you don't understand. But I, uh, Sturgis is coming up. Uh, when is it? First week of August. It's the 80th anniversary. I've been there for the 50, 60, 70. Looks like I'm going to miss 80. Okay. I got some friends because, hey, man, you can come up. You can stay in my camper. You know, you can stay over here by us. We're, you know, we've got a clubhouse. We're going to do it. And all the rest of that. And I said, nah. I said, every time I go, I go uh, usually the week before. Oh, but yeah, but you miss everything. <laughs> yep. You're right. Because there's too many amateur bikers up there. And I, I have enough problem without getting killed, without people running into me who think they know what they're doing. And I'm talking to a friend. I said, Charlie... You go up there for a completely different reason than I go. Now, I used to go up and, and preach at uh, Matt and Shannon had a church. They, he was one of our elders here, and they started working with the Native Americans. And I would go up, and usually a Sunday before Sturgis, cop me a T-shirt and preach at their church. Okay? That's not really why people go to Sturgis. Did you know that? Just an idea. I just didn't know if you knew that or not. But I would go up there. What are you going to Sturgis for? To preach? And they said, well, you, you, you share with the bikers? No. The only bikers up there that are listening are the ones that missed a corner and in a ditch. And they want Jesus. Now. Other than that, they could care less. But you earn the right by your life. See, I don't even have to talk about it. We are commissioned by a holy God to expose evil. Remember Galatians 6.1, I confront it, but when I confront it, you had better offer a solution. I know people can, I'll confront that. Okay, but do you have a solution for it? Well, they need the gospel. Well, what if they're saved? I'm sure that every one of you, the instant you were saved, walked in pure holiness, didn't you? I'm still trying to figure that out now. You see what I'm trying to get at? Let my life shine so that God sees me as a vessel to be able to expose it. Because your life will expose it first, and then he may give you the privilege to share actual words. I think it was St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the word, and if you have to, use words. We're quick with our words, aren't we? If we reprove, it is a, our life is our greatest testimony. Far too many don't even acknowledge sin. Okay? In our own lives. Back to pride. You know how sneaky pride is? It just sneaks right in there. You don't even know you're doing it. And yet it's crazy how many people don't even know what they were saved from. I deal with that on a regular basis. If we walk in light, if we walk in love, if we walk worthy, people are going to see it. And you know what? As we walk, our lives will show. And we will earn the right to share and bear the burdens. You know, I think about it. When there's a church scandal, everybody knows it. I mean, everybody. I went to Russia on one of my trips, and this guy down here, to, I can't remember, in Colorado Springs, got caught. I don't remember what his name was. I'm in Orel, Russia. Everybody knows right where that's at, right? I'm in Orel, Russia. And the first thing I'm asked when I arrive is, what is up with the guy in your state who's a pastor? I'm sitting in Orel, Russia? I was in Baku, Azerbaijan. Where are you from? United States. 
Oh, where? Colorado. Huh? You have pot. Have pastors in this town saying, we need to have a, a retreat so we can discuss how to deal with our people when they start smoking pot. <laughs> I just laughed. I said, well, how are you going to deal with it? I said, I'm going to send them to your church. Jeez. Why don't I ask him? You guys ever smoke pot? No. Hmm. I have. And I know what it's good for. What's it good for? Makes Doritos taste amazing. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? This is the silliness that is coming around us. What about walking? Walking in love. Walking in grace. Walking a gospel life. Never, listen, what I have watched, I had a Russian pastor tell me one time, he says, you in America have inoculated the people from the good news. And I said, what? He says, yeah, you tell them they say this prayer, they're saved. And, you know, and I thought about that and I thought, you know what? He's right. People never will understand the good news if they don't look at the bad news first. The bad news makes them feel terrible. You know, I had this discussion this week, but it's always been on my mind. What are you saved from? When you get saved, what are you saved from? Hell. No. You're saved from a holy, righteous, just God. That's what you're saved from. Do we understand that? But you look at people who are saved today. I don't know. I just ain't going to hell. And yet the Lord himself said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not do signs and wonders in your name? And he says, away from me, I never knew you. Listen, if you don't feel terrible before your good news, how do you fully grasp the grace of the love, the mercy that the gospel is. See, remember when I was dealing with the contrast between the dark and the light? There are too many in the church right now who don't see the contrast the way God sees it. See, there are many in the church today who I say uh, dabble with a little gray. And do you realize that if you dabble just a little gray, it disqualifies your walk? And you know what you end up doing? Sitting in the pew, singing Kumbaya or Amazing Grace, but you're never used. Why? Because you got to dabble. You got a little gray. A little darkness of the world does not help the light. How do we expose it? Listen, how can you expose the darkness? If you're exposed. We are in a place to help. Only if we walk. We'll expose it. But you know what? We'll expose it if we walk. And we'll be exposed if we don't walk. Because that's what he says back there. In five, all things become visible, verse 13, when they are exposed by light. We are to speak to sinners. That even includes believers who are sinning. But if your life don't line up, remember the verse they always like to bang you with? Judge not lest you be judged. Read the context. How can you, who have a beam in your eye, help one with a speck in their eye? See how it lines up now?
I think when I read this and I says, do not participate in these unfruitful deeds of darkness. It's disgraceful to even speak of them. These things will become visible in the light. We are called to walk in the light. I can't help but look at this and say, you know, this is the heart of God. When he saved each and every one of us, at some point, he took the light and shined it and said, this is the, your darkness. And this is what I give you freely. Listen, there is so much evil that we shouldn't even speak about it. We should expose it. What they do in secret is shameful. Even to talk about it. I don't have to... You know, I've had people come to me with terrible things that they were dealing with. And I don't tell anybody. I may tell others, you need to pray. This person needs assistance in their repentance. I remember we had a case of church discipline. It's been a number of years ago. What the guy was doing was awful. And I had approached him several times, actually. I took one of the elders and approached him. And he said, no, I'm going to go ahead and do this. And then I brought it before the congregation. I said, such and such has been set outside of the church. as not to sin. And I never told him what was going on. And I said, but here's what I want you to do. Everybody write him a letter and tell him you're praying. Then he'll come back and be whole. And they did. I and mean, I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. It didn't do anything. I chased him down. He moved back east. And I found the church that he was in back east. And I contacted the pastor and said, understand he's under church discipline here. Of course, if you talk about church discipline in our society today, I think he fell off the planet. What this world does is darkness. And we shouldn't speak of it. Let alone if we shouldn't speak of it, we probably shouldn't tolerate it. Remember, judgment begins where? The house of God. So, I guess, when I look at first three chapters, I think about it, and the Apostle Paul prayed there in chapter 1. I do not cease, verse 16, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling or the riches of His glory and the inheritance of the saints. What is the surpassing greatness of His power towards us who believe? So if we can't get beyond ourselves, how are we going to reprove others? How are we going to expose others? How are we going to strengthen others? How are we going to help others? How are we going to bear the burdens of others if we haven't got past our hang-ups? So remember, verse 13 of chapter 5, that which is reproved is made manifest by light. Your life alone can show it. Anything that is made manifest is manifest by light. Listen, you cannot take a hammer and knock people into heaven. But you can take a walk of grace, a walk worthy, a walk of love, a walk of light, a walk in wisdom. And it's amazing how many people will follow. If you are the light and you don't make it manifest, it won't be. And understand this, that's your commission. Every brother, sister in Christ, we are to be light. And sometimes he gives you the privilege to use words. Listen, you will expose sin only when you walk in light. 
You can tell them all day long, you're a sinner. What you're doing is sinful. God's mad at you. Nee, 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 nee. They ain't going to do a thing. But if they look at your life, and that, that's one of the things that I think is, as a pastor, is a little, I don't know how to do it. Do you realize that everybody in this room, I can guarantee this, has probably dealt with something that you are either dealing with or have dealt with? And yet, we don't want to talk about it. I won't talk about it. I won't tell you. I won't talk about my struggles. Why? Oh, that's that pride thing. And yet, we're all together in this, ain't we? Listen, nobody gets saved unless they come to God repenting of their sin. And nobody knows what sin is unless it's exposed. Pastors can come together and say, okay, um, how are we going to deal with people in our churches now that they can smoke pot? I don't know. How do you deal with people in your church who exercise abortion rights? That's legal too. See what you just did? We lower God's bar down here and then we can help one another. No, you're not. you got to expose it. No. Listen. Well, pot, God made it grow wild. There's a reason He made it wild. Listen. In your Bible is a word that you see translated. I'll tell you that in a minute. It's called pharmakeo. It's the word we get pharmaceutical from or pharmacy from. Okay? You know how it's translated in your Bible? Sorcery. Have you ever seen how many sorcery people get to go to heaven? None. They're outside with the weeping and gnashing of teeth in the darkness. It is not evangelism to love them and to tolerate them in their evil. If I'm never supposed to speak about it, how in the world do I tell them that they need to turn from it? There is better. Listen, evangelism, true evangelism makes them face their sin. And you know what true evangelism is that makes people face their sin? It's not a track. It's your life. It's your life. The light of light. So Paul makes it clear to us. There's a contrast. There's characteristics of a child of light. The command of a child of light. And the commission. Expose our lives of light to the darkness. Do you understand that you may be the only light that some people may ever see. But I like it because verse 14, you see the call. I'll deal with that next week. But it's up to you. Listen, I'm not an evangelist. All right, I told you that. I've led people to Christ, but that meanie. Okay? But you know what's really cool about that meanie? None of them have fallen away. None of them. And actually, three of them are in full-time ministry. Okay? But it's that meanie. I got that meanie. That's what my grandson's doing now. And that meanie. He doesn't know what that meanie is, but he puts his hand up to the little TV screen and that meanie. So. But as a sister, it's up to us. And as... Mordecai told Esther, for such a time as this, you and I have been placed here. So let's walk worthy. Father, I come before you, the author and the finisher. Lord, uh, you've brought us this far, and you continue. Lord, wow. Wow. Father, help us to be the light. Help us to walk in love. Help our words to be encouraging. Father, if we see anyone caught 
in a trespass. Father, let us bow our knee to bear the burden of our brothers or sisters. Father, help us. Help us to walk in a manner that glorifies You. Help none of us to shame You. And help each of us to be overwhelmed with the privilege of being called children of the Most High God. (laughs) Thank You, Lord. Amen.